Welcome to Bullhorns and Bullseyes, the podcast where precision meets promotion. I'm Tom Nixon. And I'm Curtis Hayes. We're thrilled to have you join us as we discuss the ever-evolving world of sales and marketing. Every week, Curtis and I bring our own specific experiences and expertise, along with a special guest who has stories to tell and lessons learned to share. We're here to help you with strategies that hit the mark and amplify the marketing. Before we kick off today's episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop. And if you find our discussions on target, leave us a review. Your feedback means a lot to us. Now get ready for insights, tips, and conversations that will up your marketing game. It's Bullhorns and Bullseyes with Curtis Hayes and Tom Nixon. Let's ride. Thank you, everyone, for coming back to Bullhorns and Bullseyes. Hey, Curtis, thank you for having me back. Well, you're always welcome back, Tom. <laughs> I couldn't do yeah. this without you. Well, probably quite literally. So that's good. Job security. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. need you. Yeah. Oh, it's nice to be needed. Okay, good. Uh, tell that to my family. Anyway, here we go. We are going to um, explore some new territory today, you and I, Curtis, because so far we've been talking more so uh, about LinkedIn than any other social network in terms of marketing and doing bullhorns and bullseyes activities. But today we are going to step into the metaverse and we're going to talk a little more about Facebook. Yeah, not to be confused with some of the other meta episodes we've had previously, which really haven't covered the company, uh, right. uh, which is Facebook and Instagram, um, for those of you who don't know. But yeah, uh, so we've got here today, Katie. So Katie, gosh, I think 17 years ago, hired Katie back in the previous agency that I was at. So Katie and I have known each other a long time. And for probably 15 of those 17 years, Katie and I have worked together in some capacity or another. And um, so through that journey, when I left and um, eventually started my own consulting, Katie shortly followed and was consulting as well. And I told this story in a previous episode. Um, we, uh, we pitched a deal together and uh, knew we needed to do things a bit differently and combine forces. And so one day at lunch, uh, we sat and kind of on a napkin, sketched out some ideas of different names. And uh, so... Katie is uh, is pretty much an, an honorary, you know, co-founder of Kaleidoscope. She's been here since the very beginning, and um, we kind of divided forces then. And uh, I kind of took the more analytical, like Google Ads route and those types of things. And uh, Katie jumped in to doing Facebook. So I can't remember, you know, when that was. Katie, how many years of experience you do have with Facebook advertising? Um, so, yeah, when do you think around that time was? Yeah, it was probably, I mean, it's probably, I feel like it's, Kaleidoscope hasn't been around quite 10 years, but I feel like I've been in it in some capacity for a very long time. So <laughs> 10 years sounds like a good number, but <laughs> it's been a while. Yes, it does. Well, uh, Facebook's changed a lot. In, was it even around 10 years ago? I can't remember quite when it uh, probably yeah 2015 oh, yeah. it was certainly around it was like when yeah. it first started so, well the, the first thing we should do is talk about why we're talking about meta or facebook because i think most of the stuff that we've covered so far has been geared towards a b2b type of audience and we should probably dispel what i think is probably a common notion that businesses have no business conducting business on Facebook. They should be over at LinkedIn solely. Um, and that's not necessarily true, is it? Even in the B2B space, Katie? I don't think so. It's because I think 
even though you're going after businesses on LinkedIn, those they're still people, right? And they're not always doing business. So in most cases, you know, not everyone, but most cases, these people are using their smartphones. They're, you know, on social in Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever it may be. So I think there's still a place for it. And, you know, those people are still there. It's just a different sort of like avenue to attract them. And what I feel is a different way than what you would do yeah. on LinkedIn. It, is it true? Uh, Curtis, maybe this one's for you. Is it true that you are, you do have some targeting capability within Facebook, or maybe you should answer that Katie, because I think people think, and I think even that, well, on LinkedIn, you know, their people's title, their job, you know, duties, and you might not know that on Facebook, but you're still able to target with some degree of specificity on Facebook, even if you're doing a B2B type campaign? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can still do a lot of targeting like you do or similar to what you do on LinkedIn, but you're right. You're not going to get, you know, exactly their, you know, employer or the level that they're at in sort of their role and some of those different types of things, but there's still a lot of user behavior that you can target. So if, let's say, you know, you're, you're targeting somebody to sell a product, you can find people who are interested really, I guess, in anything, people who are interested in an industry or a thing or, you know, any kind of genre of things. And like, that's one way to do it. Right. But then you can layer on top of that. You still have the capabilities of like uploading customer lists. So like e-commerce, let's say you wanted to go after, you know, repeat customers or repeat business. You have the ability to do that. But then you also can use website visitors. You can create lookalikes on, again, customers or, you know, certain behaviors that people are doing on your website. And so there and those are just a few of the ways. But I think there's definitely um, ways to attract your customers. Similarly, similarly, how you're doing it on LinkedIn. It's just a different platform. Yeah. And Curtis, um, it's interesting sort of because we talked about how old Facebook is. And I remember when Facebook first came out and part of the appeal was, is you can reach these mass audiences really at, at scale and at very little cost. And then the algorithms came for us and they decided, wait a minute, we're going to throttle this back for brand pages and we're going to make them pay. If they want to get in front of these audiences, even the ones that are following them, we're going to configure the algorithm. So that's not quite as easy organically. So then we started to having to pay and now we're, don't we live in a world where there's needs to be a mixture of both sort of an organic Facebook strategy and a paid Facebook strategy. And don't they yeah. work better when they're together? Right. A hundred percent. Right. So, um, and your audience may be on Facebook and they may be on Instagram and we do have to think of them almost as a, uh, as the same platform in many ways, because we can serve up content, um, to both platforms. And then depending on what those users preferences are, what platform they want to use, then uh, we can be promoting or showing that content organically in those spots. You know, obviously reels are going to perform better and say, you know, Instagram while maybe getting things in the feed with a carousel ad or something like that inside of Facebook is going to be a bit more effective or maybe a video, of course, including links and those types of things a little bit easier. Um, I do want to mention forms again, because that was a big topic I talked about. Katie could talk about Facebook forms at some point here, but like, the ability to use LinkedIn forms, I'm sorry, use Facebook forms for lead gen, um, 
can, can be really effective. So again, instead of sending somebody to your website, which by the way, the Facebook pixel is super important. You want to do remarketing that Katie talked about. You want to build lookalike audiences, making sure the pixel is properly configured. You're firing custom events, those types of things um, is, is really going to improve uh, your campaigns and the ability to do kind of more advanced targeting and, uh, and different things like that. So, um, some of that, just if you don't mind, if I interrupt, some of that yeah. may sound like a foreign language to lay people in, amongst the audience. So, when you say there's a Facebook pixel that needs to be configured properly, just real quickly for people who don't know exactly what you're talking about, or how that works, why that's so important. So, the uh, the pixel, which each platform is going to have a pixel, they might each platform might call it differently. Um, LinkedIn, it's it's called the insights tag. But you would install that either directly on the website in the header, similar to how you would install your Google Analytics cookie, or the better way to do it would be to put it inside of Google Tag Manager, which your developer or webmaster could do for you. And then within that, you can fire custom events. So let's say, for example, um, what you, uh, an example of what you could do with the pixel is fire an event when somebody completes an action on the website you want them to complete. So that would be like a conversion. So, hey, they came to our website, they filled out a form, or they purchased product. Let's send that event back to Facebook so Facebook can learn off of that. We have it for reporting, so we know if the campaigns are effective or not. But we can also tell the algorithm, go and find us more people who are likely to potentially do this action based on the users who are performing that action. Or you may say, let's build an audience based off of people who are visiting this specific page of the website. So now you'd say, oh, hey, they're interested in this content. So now we could build a specific audience to send targeted messaging to based on what they're visiting. You can't do any of that without the pixel. Right. And Katie, that's why when you mentioned lookalike audiences earlier, I was going to have you explain that because I think right there lies probably the reason why Facebook or meta could be so effective is because, yes, it's maybe not considered the B2B platform that LinkedIn is. But you're actually building audiences that are doing the consumer behavior that you want future audiences to do. And you can tell Facebook to go find people that look like this, not physically, but that act like this, that have the same interests. And that's extremely powerful because I think people spend more time on Facebook and they probably do more commerce type things on Facebook than they do on LinkedIn. I'm sure the stats bear that out. But isn't that why isn't that how Facebook becomes a B2B platform sort of within its meta verse? I wouldn't say it's the only way, but it's definitely a good way that businesses can do that. I mean, like, not only can you target the right, like, I guess just another layer on top of the audience piece is to Curtis's like sort of story of like, hey, we can target people who visit these pages. You can take that a couple steps further even and say, hey, we want people who came to this page, maybe spent this much time perhaps, right? Or like did these certain actions, but then maybe they didn't convert, right? And so now we're going to run a campaign specifically to that group of people with maybe a different offer, a different message, something like that, right? So that's one way, like I have an example of a client who we are essentially trying to get people to sign up to purchase products from them. It's a very niche market, like it, it's been tough to crack to begin with, but we've now found that a lot of people are signing up, but then they're not actually completing a purchase, right? So now we have new campaigns that are going at, back out 
They already know our brand. We're going back out and we're basically saying, hey, we saw that you signed up. Like you already kind of did the hard part. Come back and make your purchase and here's an offer. And, you know, that's, it's another way. We kind of brought them in in this audience of like, hey, we want people in this industry. And we had achieved that. Then we came back at them again and said, hey, now we want you to come, you know, sign up. And they did that. Now we want them to purchase. So we're kind of building that funnel that a lot of people I think use on their websites. And now we're doing it in a social way with a platform that's getting in front of a lot of eyeballs. It's funny because uh, far be it uh, for anyone to call me savvy at anything, but I'm savvy enough to know how that works. So we talked about this on a previous episode. So if I am prompted by something that's of interest to me um, and I click on the website and I see the offer, and if it's something I want to buy, I will sign up for an account. I will put the item in my cart and then I will walk away because I know what's coming is the, Hey, you didn't buy. Here's a 15% off coupon code. And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And I go check out. So, you know, are consumers that savvy? I don't know, but it, they probably will increasingly be so And it, it stresses. I just wanted to stress the importance and maybe you could expound on it. Why you need those follow through campaigns, because you might have a whole, group of people who either are doing intentionally what I did or unintentionally and they forgot or they got distracted or they had second thoughts or whatever it is. So is this becoming a a bigger part of your overall campaign strategy? Generally, yes. Like, again, I think it's, you know, it's a different platform. So I think sometimes you just have to understand or, or take a step back and think about the mindset of the user on the platform that you're marketing on, right? LinkedIn, people are on there because, you know, you're out looking for business advice or seeing what's happening in the business world, right? So for them at that point to get something from, you know, again, like a B2B type of business that is solving a problem that maybe they're having or whatever the case may be, you know, they, they're kind of in that mindset and they're sort of not necessarily expecting it, but they're, you know, they're at work doing that, let's say. Then here we come on Facebook and we want to still target those people. And, but we know now or can theorize, right, that they're at home, they're sitting on the couch, it's after dinner, whatever. And now we're coming through and we're saying, hey, we're still here and we want to get in front of you again. But I think the, the biggest misconception that happens is people just think like, hey, I'm, I'm marketing to these people on LinkedIn. Let's use the exact same stuff and do it on social but they're, they're just not in that space. Again, you're kind of catching them in personal time and you're disrupting their day or, you know, their moment. And so creating different content or making sure that at least your messaging is on target with maybe their mindset at the time and, and when they're going to see that ad potentially. Um, yeah. I'll, I'm going to add to that. If, 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 if we circle back to our conversation with Amy Schuster, she said, you know, oftentimes these companies, they want to do that one thing. Like there's a magic bullet that's just going to open up the floodgates for leads. We're going to do Google ads and we're going to get a thousand leads this year. Like that one thing, you know, it's like throwing the dart and hoping it works. So what we're basically saying and what we've been doing with clients is you know, it could take a prospect or somebody within your target audience 10, 12 times of seeing your brand before they're willing to take that next step. So utilizing multiple platforms, so multiple places where those users could potentially be. And let's face it, we might build an audience with 40,000 people, let's say, inside of LinkedIn. 
and run an ad for 30 days, but it doesn't mean all 40,000 have even opened up the platform in that 30 days. Mm-hmm. You have some users, probably 40% of the 40,000, maybe only open LinkedIn once a month. So, but they might be really active over on Facebook and LinkedIn because they're, they're, they're on it every day. Facebook so here, Instagram. Right. So here, now we get in front of those people because they're using it personally. It might be different messaging than we're using in LinkedIn, but they're getting an opportunity to see the brand. Maybe uh, the brand can resonate with them in some way that there's a me- message there, the why messaging that you talked about, right? That, you mm-hmm. know, they may not take action the first time, but they see something that sort of moves them a bit of interest. And then maybe we hit them again on there. Maybe they come to the website and we hit them with a different ad. Or now they see us on LinkedIn and boom, there's the form and they want to fill it out. Um, so this um, multi-channel or even you know, they'll call it omni-channel approach definitely works. So don't ignore Facebook um, or Meta when you're doing advertising. And that's where I put a plug in for just bullhorn activity more generally because for some products or services, let's say a personal injury attorney, for example, just um, demand is very unpredictable. You don't know who's going to get hurt when, right? So you can't target everyone, you know, at the time of injury, maybe they'll get sophisticated enough to do that. Um, But what you do want is you want a a steady stream of awareness campaigns uh, that make the conversion or demand gen campaign effective because they've been hearing your name. They've been understanding your why and all of this stuff over time. And there's a lot of B2B types of products and services that are that way. You don't know exactly who's going to need your product or service when. So you need a a steady drip and back to your point. It's like, you can't just turn one thing on and expect the whole world to change. Right. Nobody's that we haven't been doing any marketing, Katie. So now here, uh, do a Facebook campaign and and let me know in 30 days, how much business we got. (laughs) Um, But in terms of are there cost advantages? Because, again, I'm sort of a layperson here, but I've done some experimenting with it. It seems as though Facebook could be more affordable to reach audiences. Um, So what are the trade offs in terms of either cost per click or cost per conversion or cost per acquisition and any of those things? So I think just in a general sense, Facebook is cheaper, right? Um, LinkedIn has, I think, due to their targeting and sort of what they hone in, right? You're not getting necessarily behavior targeting on LinkedIn. So they already know, like, we're going to give you business people in these industries and things like that. So you're going to pay a little bit more. But Facebook, we can go after such a range of different interests and details and job titles and all of this other stuff. It's generally speaking, a lot more cost effective. Um, Like we've worked with an education company that I think we were it was costing us $250 per lead on LinkedIn. We ran similar style campaigns, same objective, like getting leads through forms. And I think we were close to like $100 per lead. You know, now there's trade-offs in all of that. It varies in like, there's so many variables in LinkedIn or in Facebook to be able to like give apples to apples generally. But I would say on like a high level, you're generally going to spend less on campaigns in Facebook and still see results than something like that. And that's really where um, you can't stop your measurement. Again, I'll I'll circle back to Amy Schuster and some of our conversations with the 
the kind of closed loop marketing that we need to do between sales and marketing, right? So in this education example, Katie's exactly right with her numbers, right? So we were 250 to $300 per lead inside of LinkedIn on any given, you know, campaign or week. Um, we start running Facebook, we're getting to 200, but you've got to look at the next level to say, are those leads qualified? Is, are they talking to sales reps? Are they getting uh, demos booked? Are the reps quoting these you know, prospective clients? So again, how is that moving through the sales funnel? And then are you getting any closed deals? So um, in this specific example, the quality was better in LinkedIn, but we were filling the funnel with leads um, that were semi-qualified. And at the bottom, there were still some that were converting to clients. So uh, again, that's just that trade-off. There might be more work for sales to do email follow-ups and calling these leads. And they might have to do a bit more to nurture the leads that are coming in, but we're still filling the funnel at the top. And so look at your KPIs and objectives and uh, within an organization and then say, okay, how can these platforms help us at different stages of the funnel? Well, and speaking of prior episodes, I want to go back to the three-parter that we opened this podcast with, Mario Dequila, right. who, if you missed that one, he has a, a, an assisted living services uh, agency in Connecticut. And he would go so far as to not just measure the cost per acquisition, but the cost per lifetime of the client, because that's really that's where the proof really is. So how long do they stay clients? Do they refer another piece of business to you? That type of thing. So that's when you get really sophisticated and maybe talk a little bit about what he found there just at a high level. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say it does take companies some time to get to that point. Um, yeah. and, and they're continuing to refine that. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially every client might be different, but if you can get to that point where you have, uh, an average lifetime value that you can calculate based on the product or service that they're purchasing and, and um, get that into a CRM or some sort of tool that we can report on. Then we get to the point where we can really report on um, if we're looking holistically at all the different platforms, we're doing something more like a marketing efficiency ratio where you could look over time and say, Hey, okay, over the last quarter, over the last year on all the platforms we spent X knowing that our attribution isn't going to be 100% across each platform, but then saying, what's the total revenue we got from these marketing activities? And then do that differentiation between revenue and cost. And there's your marketing efficiency ratio and say, well, okay, this next quarter, maybe let's pull Facebook out of the mix and see what happens to that MER. Does it does it yeah. stay the same or did it, you know, go down? And then, then you could come up with the hypothesis that, oh, Facebook might be, even though maybe people don't fill out forms or they're not as qualified uh, right off the bat, it is supporting the other activities we're doing. You love those data analytics. God yeah. bless your soul. <laughs> I just want to write catchy copy. Um, Curtis, I know you wanted to ask Katie before we wrap up something about using Facebook for HR as well. What did you want to explore there? Yeah, so um, this this is a, a bit tricky uh, to do. And oftentimes, I mean, there's a few different things with the platforms we should probably mention that, like you mentioned, uh, personal injury attorneys. You know, the, none of the platforms really allow us to sort of take advantage of people's circumstances, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So 
if somebody has a health condition, the platforms don't want you taking advantage that they have that health condition and pushing messaging to them. Again, that could affect their weight, well-being potentially, or take advantage of that, you know, again, to do advertising and sell them a product or service. So you really have to be careful about that. That sort of also exists on the HR side and anti-discrimination and those types of things. So the platforms are really careful when you're then doing a recruiting type campaign. They want to actually push you into a different sort of ad platform. Um, But Katie's actually found success in just general awareness campaigns that you could, if you're doing not, I'm not looking for a director of marketing or a director of IT, not that type of stuff. But if you have, you know, skilled trades and you need a large volume of those trades, um, Mm. Katie, why don't you talk about, you know, some of the things that you've done to just kind of build brand awareness in a specific area around those trades to, um, you know, again, you're creating awareness to pull people into the brand to convert. They're just not buying the product. They're converting in a different way, which is filling out an application or interest in, you know, employment. Yeah, we've, um, I mean, we've been working with quite a few clients now to do sort of these hiring style campaigns. And to your point, it is, you know, that awareness piece. I mean, you know, nowadays I feel like everyone's hiring, but for, you know, every sign that you drive past on the road, it's like, how many do you really see anymore? <laughs> like we're kind of like blocking those out. Um, but so now you can utilize Facebook as a platform for that to basically just say, hey, we're hiring now. Like if if we're in your wheelhouse, right, let us know. And while you can't get into specific targeting, again, like maybe something you would try on LinkedIn, you can still, you know, go after locations like certain locations, if you're hiring, you know, for a shop in one spot or, you know, an office in in another, like you can get specific on your location. Um, But there are limitations now with, you know, you can't discriminate based on age or gender's never really been an option in hiring campaigns. Um, But, you know, people that are going to maybe specific job fairs or have, like you have some options, it's just much more limited. but we've 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 done it and we've been successful. I mean, we're bringing in applicants for one client at I think it's it's seven dollars per applicant. Um, whereas they're using other platforms like the Indeeds and um, you know whatever kind of tools that they have available online. And you know for those they could be paying you know twenty to fifty dollars per applicant. So um, and all the feedback. I mean, kind of back to your point, Kurt, and sort of like the quality of leads, it's sort of like, okay, what's the quality of candidate? Because again, now knowing that we're like disrupting these people in the middle of their day, they're not out looking for a job on Facebook, Uh right? (laughs) But like getting good people in, like, have you actually hired? And, you know, the feedback that we keep getting is yes. So we just keep running the campaigns and they're bringing in new applicants. I think so many industries that are in constant recruiting mode. So like hospitality, uh, you brought up education, teacher shortage going on forever. Um, the skilled trades, you know, you can't get a contractor to come to your house anymore because they don't have the people. So it's like, I would think that's when you need to cast a wide net, like consistently, as opposed to bullseyes where you're targeting a specific right. DOO or something like that, then it, it can be effective. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. COVID really drove this. Um, and it was about that time we started doing a lot of this. So maybe a little bit before then but certainly ramped up that 
hiring. Um, you know, again, those, those in the skilled trades or even the low skill trades where you needed larger amounts of people, it was just, it's just a very cost effective platform because like Katie said, uh, I would say $50 per applicant on something like indeed is actually probably pretty low. Yeah, I, I know some companies are paying a few hundred dollars per applicant on something like Indeed. So that can be pretty expensive in those platforms. So to, you know, all we're saying is think outside the box with some of these yeah. things and try some things and, uh, it, and it might work for you. Yep. Well, that's a good final thought from Curtis. Final thought from you, Katie. If you had one piece of advice to a B2B company who was on the fence about Facebook, or meta advertising, uh, what would you tell them either how to get started or what would you tell them to keep in mind? I mean, honestly, I would say if you're on the fence, just try it, (laughs) you know, like you can, you can do things on the platform for, for, you know, a hundred dollars even just to start out. Right. So it doesn't have to be a big endeavor. If you've got a video on like, Hey, here, here's who we are or a piece of content that you know is valuable to people, like get it out there, try it. Um, the biggest thing to start with is really knowing your audience. So if you don't know that, maybe go back and, and, you know, think about the platform once you know who you want to get in front of. But I think there's a lot of opportunity on it and it is underutilized by businesses that aren't selling a product and there's still a place for it. So try it. You just triggered a final thought for me. I wasn't going to have one, but you triggered something is that, you know, historically speaking or generally speaking, bullhorns, advertising so when you're advertising across market uh, i'm sorry mass media say radio tv print things like that there's a lot of waste that goes into that and you're paying for the waste because you're paying for the reach right so if i did an ad on television and there's probably a small segment of that population that is even going to be in the position to react or respond to the ad um this allows us to kind of do both this is again the mirror getting targeted about who we're who we're trying to get in learning and, and refeeding that information into the algorithm, but doing so in a mass medium kind of approach. So very interesting. Uh, any comments on that before we wrap? No, I just want to say thank you, Katie, for coming on. And uh, we're going to have you back on again uh, in a short period of time to cover some other topics as well. So Katie's yes. kind of a jack of all trades, and but she is master of quite a few. So a couple of these master kind of topics, we're going to, we're going to bring her back for, for some advice. Awesome. Well, Katie Decker, thank you for getting us out of the humdrum of LinkedIn and over to the fun area of Meta, Facebook, and Instagram. But alas, back to work. So thank you all for listening and watching Bullhorns and Bullseyes. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.